Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. It's Friday, November the 5th. And firstly, I have to say that you may find some of the content in today's podcast upsetting and distressing and not suitable for a younger audience. We're going to be talking about the case of David Fuller, what he did, how he was caught and now the calls for a public inquiry. Yesterday, midway through a trial, the 67-year-old changed his plea and admitted murdering two women in Tunbridge Wells more than 30 years ago. The bodies of Wendy Nell and Caroline Pierce had been found in 1987. For years, the crime went unsolved until advances in DNA technology led detectives to an electrician living in East Sussex. This is the moment he was arrested at his home in December last year. All right, David. You're under arrest on suspicion of the murders of Wendy Nell and Caroline Pierce in 1987. Do you understand? Yes. You do not have to say anything, but it may harm your defence if you do not mention, when questioned, something which you later on in court. Anything you do say may be given in evidence. You are being arrested to secure and preserve evidence by means of questioning. So we can conduct searches, so forensic samples can be obtained, and to prevent your disappearance. Do you understand? He was then taken to a police station and booked into custody. In 1987, there was two murders, uh, one of Wendy Nell and one of Caroline Pierce. There's been an investigation and they've now been able to forensically link David Fuller to them offences. So we therefore attended his address today. It was when police searched Fuller's home, they uncovered evidence of even more horrific crimes. They found photos and videos he'd taken of himself sexually assaulting bodies in the mortuary of Tunbridge Wells Hospital, where he worked as an electrician. He was subsequently charged with a further 44 offences relating to 78 victims, including children and the very elderly. Over the past 10 months, officers have worked painstakingly to try and identify the victims and then have to break the most awful news to their families. Azra Kamal died after falling from a bridge on the A21 in Tunbridge. Her body was one of those abused by Fuller. Her mum, Nevers, has been speaking to Sky News. Azra, um, in my opinion, was an extraordinary human being. She touched so many people. She lived life to the full. She was compassionate, warm, feisty, fiery. She had a very, very strong sense of injustice. She was my only child. I had spent two wonderful hours in the mortuary, um, sleeping with her. And that gave me some sort of comfort. Little did I know that my daughter had been violated prior to that day and the evening of that day. So whilst I'm stroking my daughter's hair, sleeping on her hair, a man had crawled all over her skin and there's me kissing and cuddling and saying my last goodbyes. And that's quite awful quite awful. However, um, it is not Azra's shame. It is not my shame. Police say so far they've found evidence of 100 victims. 81 have been formally identified 
and attempts to identify others are continuing. However, they have admitted it may be that some are never known. Miles Scott is the chief executive of Maidstone and Tunbridge Wells NHS Trust. I want to say on behalf of the Trust how shocked and appalled I am by the criminal activity by David Fuller in our hospital mortuary that has been revealed in court this week. And most importantly, I want to apologise to the families of the victims of these terrible crimes. We've been working with a team of specialist police family liaison officers to offer these families whatever help or support they require. I'm confident that our mortuary today is safe and secure, but I'm determined to ensure that we learn any lessons we can and improve any systems that require improvement. Sir Jonathan Michael, a Fellow of the Royal College of Physicians, has been commissioned to independently chair an investigation into how this could have happened and to identify anything we could or should have done to avoid it. Sir Jonathan has begun work on his investigation and as soon as this is completed I'll be able to say more. I will ensure that staff at our hospitals are supported as they also come to terms with this terrible news. Our mortuary team have been particularly distressed to learn about what has been revealed in court this week. My immediate priority though is to ensure that the families of Fuller's victims are given the time, space and privacy to come to terms with what they've learned and to ensure that they receive all the care and support that they need. The murder trial at Maidstone Crown Court had started on Monday with Fuller initially claiming diminished responsibility but it all came to an abrupt halt yesterday afternoon when he changed his plea. Wendy Nell's mum had been sitting listening to the evidence. She spoke to reporters outside court afterwards. After all these years, you know, it's job to believe it's all suddenly happened. Pam, when he changed his plea... Where did your mind go to and what did you think of after you heard the I news? I sat there thinking, did I hear right? It's got to sink in yet, yeah, after all these years. Is there anything else you'd like to say to us about Wendy or about today and how today's been for you and your family? Today's been a very big surprise. I didn't expect it today. And Detective Superintendent Ivan Beasley read out a statement on behalf of the family. For 34 years... We as a family, the police and press, have been focusing on what actually happened to Wendy, wanting to know who did it and how she spent her last moments alive. We now know, and sadly, it's much worse than we could ever have imagined. Hopefully, we can now start to grieve and move past the pain and start to remember her as the beautiful, kind, generous, caring, funny girl she was, who had a smile and a kind word for everyone. Although the guilty plea won't change anything deep down, as the pain and loss will always be there, it's good knowing he will not be in a position to hurt or cause any more pain. Home Secretary Priti Patel was among those to react to yesterday's developments. She thanked the police for their investigation and offered her thoughts to the many victims' families. Tunbridge Wells MP Greg Clark released this message. These unspeakable crimes have robbed us of the lives of two young women 
and devastated the lives of so many others. I want to say that our community, and I'm sure the country, stands beside the families of the victims in their grief and their outrage. These are some of the vilest, most depraved acts that have ever been heard in a British court, and that requires a response that matches their gravity. The families of Fuller's victims deserve to know two things. First, how this could have possibly happened, and second, that it can never, ever happen again. I've written today to the Health Secretary and the Home Secretary to, to ask them to arrange a public inquiry without delay. It's beyond the powers and resources of a local hospital to conduct, and the questions that must be faced are national, not just local. Nothing can undo the horror and the heartbreak that the families of the victims are going through. As Fuller goes to prison for what I hope will be the rest of his life, we must make certain that no other family ever has to endure what the family and friends of his victims are experiencing now. And I've been speaking today to Kent's Police and Crime Commissioner Matthew Scott, who's supporting calls for a public inquiry. He also talks about where to get support if you're at all affected by this case. I mean, these are absolutely harrowing crimes that this man has been committing, abusing his position working in a hospital to commit absolutely depraved acts against people in an incredibly vulnerable state, people who don't have a voice, who couldn't speak up, call for help. And uh, I'm pleased that he will be going to prison after having uh, been convicted of these crimes. Uh, and we work hard to support the victims uh, and their families at this awful time. Firstly, if we can just talk about the officers, because they were investigating what they initially thought was two murders from back in 1987. Obviously, they uncovered the most horrific details of other crimes. How are they being looked after? Because this is an incredibly unusual case, isn't it? You're absolutely right. And uh, since the very start, the Chief Constable and his team have made sure that there has been support in place for officers and staff, which uh, I have supported too. I mean, we as members of the public know an awful lot about this case and what this man has done, but we have to spare a thought for those officers and staff who've had to prepare the case for trial because they are going to have had to have viewed and processed some of the most despicable images that they will see in their careers. And I doubt very many of them will, will see anything like it ever again. Um, I certainly hope not anyway. So the impact that this man has had is, is so wide on the families of, of Wendy and Caroline, of the families of those who he has committed despicable acts against in the mortuary but also to the officers and staff who are going to live with what they have had to view and what they've had to experience uh, over the last 10 months and into the future as they carry on uh, looking for any potential victims. So there has been a, a wide range of support put in place and it's always been a priority of mine to make sure that those who are doing these jobs for us are, are well looked after. Um, you mentioned there the, the victims. They have identified an awful lot of the victims, but obviously that process is unfortunately having to continue. Can you just chat a little bit about the support being made available to the victims' families as well? Because that must have been horrendous news for them to hear completely out of the blue. So Kent Police put in place extensive family uh, family liaison officer support. So they have uh, had police officers going to firstly obviously break the news to the families and support them 
uh, in the aftermath of hearing that news and advising them on the criminal justice process. Uh, and when they've been having those meetings, they've been providing them with information uh, about the bespoke support service, which my office has set up with the support of the Ministry of Justice to ensure that going forward, whether they have critical needs or uh, any other needs relating to this news, that they've got that support for them. Uh, obviously, other members of the public are going to quite rightly think, does this impact upon me? Does this impact upon my family and my loved ones? And um, if people have information which they believe is uh, pertinent to the case, they can contact the Operation Sandpiper team through Kent Police's website. Uh, there is a, uh, a helpline 0800 051 52 70. It's 0800 051 52 70. Um, if you have that information, uh, and there's also um, a website, mysupportspace.org.uk, where people can go uh, get advice and guidance. Do you think we will ever know the full scale of this man's crimes? Will we ever know exactly how many victims there were? I think it's hard to say. Kent Police will carry on looking for victims. They'll carry on looking uh, at the evidence to identify as many people uh, as they possibly can. That we know about a fixed time period when he was filming and he was taking photographs. We don't know whether that offending took place before then and he wasn't filming it. Um, you know, so it's really important that if people have information, they share it with the force. Uh, but Kent Police will carry on looking and directly contact those who they identify as being affected. There are, of course, lots of questions as to how he was able to do what he did over such a long period of time. The Tunbridge Wells MP, Greg Clark, has called for an inquiry. I believe you're calling for the same. I support what Greg and other Kent MPs have said. I think they're right to suggest a public inquiry. I think this has ramifications beyond one local trust. Um, I think the Health Secretary, Sajid Javid, has already done the right thing in asking for mortuary services to be reviewed on security grounds. But I think that public inquiry will give us um, an independent look at what has happened uh, and provide directions for the whole country uh, going forward. So I, I think that that independence would be important. Well, it's not known yet when Fuller will be sentenced, but he's been remanded in custody. Until that happens, our thoughts today are very much with the families of Wendy Nell, Caroline Pierce, and the many, many other victims. Kent Online News. Other top stories today in a car passenger who stabbed a man in the arm in a road rage attack near Maidstone has been locked up for 10 years. It happened following a collision on New Hythe Lane in Larkfield in November last year. 20-year-old David Abraham from Ingram Close in Aylesford has been found guilty after a six-day trial. Five people have been arrested in Folkestone after a number of assaults. Two people reported being attacked in Tontine Street in the early hours of Sunday morning. Two police officers who attended the scene were also reportedly assaulted. A second person's died trying to cross the channel to the UK in as many days. French authorities say the body of an asylum seeker was found on a beach near Calais following the discovery of a boat filled with water. Two other people have been taken to hospital suffering from hypothermia. It comes as a record number of people crossed the channel in small boats on Wednesday. More than 850 made the dangerous journey from France to the UK. It's been confirmed three new stroke units are going to open in Kent despite a campaign to keep all of the existing ones open. Opponents feared closing facilities in Medway, Margate and Tunbridge Wells could leave some patients in a life-threatening situation with further to travel. But the 
Health Secretary has confirmed new hyper-acute units will be set up in Ashford, Maidstone and Dartford. Kent Online reports. Hern Bay's largest housing development has been given the go-ahead. Despite fears, it would resemble a concrete slum. This is one of our most read stories today. Taylor Wimpitz won its appeal against Canterbury City Council's decision to reject its 900 home scheme, which will be in the Hilborough part of town. The government says the 135-acre site would be an attractive place to live and work. A road in Maidstone is going to stay closed for yet another week after a sinkhole opened up. Tunbridge Road in Barming has already been shut for a fortnight following a burst water main. South East Water say repairs to the pipe are complete, but fixing the road itself is likely to take another seven days. Now, as COP26 continues with a huge march by youth climate activists in Glasgow, a rally is taking place in Medway today. The Medway Youth Climate Change Movement are meeting in Chatham to protest for changes to make our environment cleaner. And all this week, we've been highlighting some of the many people in the county who are doing their bit. Barry Thompson is chief exec of Whitstable firm Alpha 311, which has made turbines that generate electricity from the wind made by cars driving past them. He says it provides cheap, renewable energy. Green energy is increasingly important. Uh, We're seeing huge changes in our climate and we're seeing the impacts not only on uh, ourselves, but on other countries in Europe and on the poorer and developing nations around the world. We need to do more with regards to addressing what we're doing to our climate. Our turbines are built and designed in order to help address some of this problem. By lowering the transmission distance to uh, where the energy is being used, rather than uh, offshore wind, which has to step up electricity to bring that uh, energy uh, onshore where it's usable. We lower that transmission distance and by doing so, we lower the transmission costs associated with it. The turbines were developed to help local communities. If you're lowering the cost of electricity, you're providing a cheaper source of electricity to those communities. The turbines utilize existing infrastructure. Every street lamp is already connected to the grid. We're not blighting the landscape. The highways have already done that. So by utilizing our roads, transmitting that energy locally as a secondary uh, revenue stream for local councils, we don't sell energy. We lease our turbines and that energy is owned by your local council. We're able to help these communities address some of the biggest issues uh, that we see. Uh, Fuel poverty is one of the biggest uh, in the UK. Uh, We have a major problem with people having access to electricity but not being able to afford it. And that's most people who are on a prepaid meter. Uh, in Kent uh, alone, uh, we have around 10% of our population who are in that situation. And in Thanet, that's uh, as high as 12 to 13%. If we can provide a cheaper energy source that is renewable and green to these communities, they get cheaper electricity. The council gets a revenue stream. The country as a whole is able to address the issue that if we all move to electric vehicles, then the government will lose 30 billion a year in the fuel duty and road tax. So this is a way of addressing these problems without us as a, as a country being impacted uh, financially. Three of their turbines have been installed at the O2 Arena and you can read more on our special report at kentonline.co.uk. Just head to the in-depth section. Kent Online reports. 
Now, as you probably know, it's Remember, Remember the 5th of November, Bonfire Night. And there are some calls, though, for the sale of fireworks for private displays to be banned. While we might enjoy them, it isn't always as fun for our pets who can be scared of the loud noises and flashes. Natasha McPhee is from Animals Lost and Found in Kent, and she would like to see some changes. Obviously, maybe making them a little bit quieter would be great. And maybe limiting them to, like rather than lots of little ones constantly randomly going off because that scares people as well as animals the random ones where you don't expect them they just go off beside your head they're the scary ones when i was younger we used to all go out with our gloves and hats on in scotland and it'd be a big bonfire and everybody would go around together and there'd be fireworks set off and it would be a planned event there should be restrictions on when they should where they should be setting them off and how often they set them off obviously have the dogs and cats that are extremely petrified of the loud bangs and those pet owners have to prepare their animals for those occasions for example closing the curtains turning up music some animals are on medication they're so scared obviously you have foxes running along the side of a path a bang goes off and they run into a car you have horses that it's impossible to bring them indoors isn't it really you can't bring a horse in the house and try and keep it calm you've got other wildlife the birds everything is affected by these bangs obviously you have new year's you have diwali you have chinese new year but when it comes to bonfire night the times and two weeks after as well so it's not like that they're let off and i think that's where a lot of people are more concerned natasha was speaking on the lowdown on our facebook live where you can see the episode again in full and at kent online we've got a roundup of some of the best displays going on in the county it includes the event at kent's cricket ground in canterbury tonight andy and claire from our sister radio station kmfm will be there work on new film studios in ashford which could be used by netflix and amazon are due to start next year the scheme at the town's derelict newtown railway works has received an extra 14 point £7 million boost from the government's levelling up fund. Elsewhere, Ashford's Mark Rylance is making a return to the big screen. His new film, The Phantom of the Open, was shot in Little Stone Golf Club, Bedgebury Manor and the historic dockyard in Chatham. It's about a fraudulent golfer who managed to con his way into several championship games in the 70s, despite not being able to swing a club. Kent Online Sport. Football and Gillingham take a break from the league this weekend as they host Cheltenham Town in the first round of the FA Cup. The Jules have only reached the second stage of the competition for four consecutive seasons, while their opponents made it as far as the fourth round last time before being knocked out by Man City. Kickoff at Priestfield is at two o'clock tomorrow afternoon. You can follow the action as it happens at kentonline.co.uk. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You can also now get access to the ad-free Kent Online premium site by subscribing. Just head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe. If you are heading out to a firework display over the weekend, hope you have a fantastic time. We'll be back with the podcast on Monday. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.